Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode, or an episode, it is, of number 546 of Aussie Tech Eds. Uh, it's on the 10th of August, 2017. How are you all doing? It's great to be back. I had last week off. Uh, what was I doing? Oh, that's right. I had some school uh, commitments. So I went and saw both the kids. They're in some bands, the strings, the percussion, and the uh, something else. Wind, wind ones. Jazz. Whatever that is. But anyway, yes, how you doing? Hope you've had a good week. I heard the show was left in capable hands last week from Jason and William. And I uh, listened to the show with interest and had a giggle. And it was, it was good entertainment. So thank you guys for, for carrying the show last week. Don't forget we are brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. And you can find us exactly there, athwebhosting.com.au. Uh, Servers operate on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates available. Aussie support, mainly me, so uh, come on in. Uh, look, we've got a uh, probably a full show tonight. We've got uh, William is on the panel. He's going to be on me and William. Some some people thought me and Will were the same person. Did you know that? <laughs> but no, he you is never on. see both of you in the same room at the same time. Exactly right. But he's going to. He's actually he's he's strapping in right now. And uh, also we've got Jason. But let's go to Jason first. Sure, he's Will- not like a puppet. Hello, my name's William. <laughs> Yeah, so how are you going, Jace? Yeah, I'm pretty good. good. Getting over the cough, still a little bit there, but it's holding on. You know, when you, you said that you had a school commitment, I thought you were finally going to graduate or something. But Oh, no. no, no, that's year six is way beyond my capabilities. <laughs> that's, that's too far. I know, right? right? The things kids are doing these days when my daughter is in year two and she's like, I need a USB key because I have to do a PowerPoint presentation. I'm like, what? Yeah. You're in <laughs> Too. What the hell is this? I know it's crazy, but look, I, t- I did do. I did. Oh, let's bring William. Say, uh, g'day, Will. How you doing? Hey guys. Hey, what's been going on, Will? Uh, been a long time. Everything since we've and had a chat on the show. Yeah, well, it's not my fault. You can't be bothered hanging around next half an hour. I know. That's not half an hour. Because <laughs> you're old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, yeah, what was I going to say? I was saying. Oh yeah, that's right. No. Uh, I brought. Uh, yeah, I did learn something from my. Uh, son who's in year four this year he came over with yeah. a powerpoint presentation he had to do guess who did it me and guess what i did for the first time i did animations on the powerpoint Whoa. i had words sliding in and pictures coming down and yeah. I, I only had a i only had a mac so i had to save it out onto the fat 32 usb drive and export it into like open office compatible Ooh. so that you could load it up at school because there was all i just had this Mac laptop is the only thing I could do it on. Yeah, well, the the beauty of having your wife who works for the government is for whatever reason, they give you a $15 Microsoft Office to, nice. to use at home. So yeah. w- why not? <laughs> yes. So uh, we, we threw that around. And you didn't tell us how, how, how many points you got for your presentation. Was oh, that's, yes, I, I got an A. Naturally. Oh, nice work, son. Nice work. <laughs> and how's this? That I said, I kept saying, hey, "What did I get? What did I get? What mark did I get for that presentation?" <laughs> and he goes, "You got an A." I went, "Oh, that's good." And I said, "Oh, so is he happy with it?" He goes, "Oh, he just said you could have used better colours." And I went, oh, oh, "That's yeah. right. I remember those days because I'm colourblind, so it's still haunting uh, me." <laughs> I used, had no idea. No, I'm using colours that blended in or something. But anyway, when I um, when I did, I was a teenager. I got a job temporarily at a picture framing company and had to go to the doctor and do the Ishihara um, colorblindness test oh, before yes. I could frame because you have to match up the frame colors and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, not colorblind. A, you're not? 
there was a colourblind test on Facebook going around. I saw. Yeah, the, yeah. see that. But... Yeah, most of those don't actually do anything. No, you have no. to get the official <laughs> one. If it says like the Ishihara colourblindness test, it's more likely to be truer than Bob's colourblindness mm. test. My uh, my my boss is uh, well, he's a panel beater for forty odd years, yep. and he only found out a couple of years ago he's colourblind. Wow! Yeah, right. Wow. But he could colour he could colour match perfectly. Yeah, um, he just didn't realise he was colourblind because like the colours he didn't know what colour was, but he knew how to make it and how to make it he exactly match the same. It. Yeah, right. Nice, nice. Well, so I'm the opposite. I don't. I don't. Colours are one of my worst. Like you just don't pay any attention to them. Really. When when the top light. Lights up, you need to stop the car. When the bottom one lights up, you can go. It doesn't matter about the colours. Oh, is that why I keep having accidents? Yes. All right. You can. Uh, did you know, guys, we're on Spotify? You can you can find us on Spotify. You don't have to go to iTunes. You can just tune up your Spotify app and search in Aussie Tech Ed's, and there we go. Whole collection. How good's that? And what a collection. Uh, you, can al- <laughs> you can also get us on the AussieTechRadio.com or on the TuneIn Radio. Search for Aussie Tech Radio. Uh, back-to-back podcast 24-7 and also facebook.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads and youtube.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads and don't forget other podcasts now we're going to have to talk to Will about Obsidian Loft and Old Fart Geeks when's the geeks coming back Will? It's a timing issue at the moment it's just when one of us has got time the other one doesn't and and then when we do get time something happens like the server goes down or our internet explodes so it's it's not it's not long dead and forgotten. It's old fart geeks and obsidian loft are something that will be coming back. We've even got plans on how to change them up a little bit, but uh, yeah, Will's good. Yeah, they're old fart geeks in particular. Yeah, <laughs> it's just actually now a matter of of getting the time to implement that. So and people you know, being sick over winter has been terrible. Oh, so mm. I, it's it's been horrid. I had eight weeks of some mysterious unknown virus that the doctors couldn't figure out, and nobody knew. Yeah, okay. What I had. Wow. Um. Which was just bizarre. I had test after test, and they couldn't find out what it was. You're right and now. And just after I got over that, I went to hospital last weekend with bronchitis, and then <sighs> got let out Monday and picked up the the picked up the gastro bug that every kid in there was admitted with. So <laughs> we've had gastro since Tuesday. It's gone through the house. So mm, right, good. It's uh, it's it's been fun. Yes, I oh, look. I've I've had those days as well. Now, uh, <laughs> other podcasts at the Aussie Mac Zone. Uh, tune in to Garth and Michael as they uh, tell you all the 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 Mac news that's been going around and the Aussie Tech Security. Now, I've got an email that uh, came through this week, and I'll bring this up because Jack L. Uh, g'day, how you doing? He sent me an email. He wants to transfer his domain. See, he, he knows he's 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 fighting the good fight. He's bringing his domains over to us. So. Uh, yeah. Jack L, love the show. Been listening for years. Always fun and informative. Well, I'm glad that's. I'm glad you're getting you something. Sure, has been out listening for years. Glad someone. <laughs> <thinks so. laughs> I lo- oh, I laugh when Eric goes off. Warlock knows everything, and <laughs> and you are very entertaining. Oh, thank you. Uh, keep up the great work. Give me a shout out on the show. There it is. How you going, Jack? Good stuff. Okay, let's get into some stories. Well, let, let's talk about. I was listening to the show last week when you guys were. Well, on. that makes one of us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought I'd, uh, you know, we, we weren't actually there. Would have <laughs> Which show was that? Yeah, I know you guys are two top podcasters and that good. They don't actually do the show, but they're just on no, it anyway. No, we don't turn up for it. That's it just right. happens. Yeah, it's just uh, just voice pasting and stuff. Uh, yeah, and I was listening, and you're talking about the TVs from Audi and the Kogan TVs, and 
and all that sort of stuff. And you know, yes, that's right. They they won't they won't post a sixty five inch to me because I don't know why I'm a regional area. But I don't know if I spoke about this uh, on the show or not. But I went and bought an Audi TV, the the big yep, fifty. The medians. No, it was a bone. Bone. I think I did because I think we looked up how to pronounce it. But anyway, so yes. I got, got the bone TV. Bone TV's been taken back. <laughs> It's no, oh, no, it's been boned. Oh, it's tight. Yeah, look, it's uh, yes, it was a big picture and it turned on, but the picture was rubbish. It was absolutely yeah. rubbish. It was all uh, to me, the best I can describe it is like it had an old time filter put over it. You know, the color was yeah. washed out, the processor couldn't keep up. And this is exactly what I was saying last week. The screens are pretty much identical. That screen in any other TV would probably be fine. It's what processes mm. and powers that screen that's the issue. Well, and that's a shame because you know, like it's a, a lot of resources go into that. It's a huge, well, sixty inch, a huge yeah. TV. You remember DCL and it's fine. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you remember right. back in the day when you used to watch the demos they had at Harvey Norman that with when plasmas first come out, and they're comparing against some the um, the early LCDs of the time, and they'd do the diagonal strafing. Yeah. And on the LCDs, you always had this pixelation effect. On the plasmas, you didn't. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with the screens. The screens are perfectly capable of cleaning that up. It was the crappy drivers they were using on the boards. Mm. So uh, so I took the T. And thankfully, or, and as you would expect, Audi took it back. No questions yeah. asked. I slid it back yeah. into the store and uh, lined back what up. Is that <laughs> What's that? 14 days return and no questions asked or something? Something like that. 30 days? 30 days, I think. Yeah, well, I took it back in seven because I was playing no chances. It was rubbish. But was it just your TV or was it them in general? I'd have to say it was that in general, those TVs in mm-hmm. general. Like, there's nothing else really wrong with it. Like They all have the same electronics. Yeah. Yeah, it was just that the picture was just ugh, yuck. And uh, so anyway, I went went, went the rounds. I, I looked at other TVs. There was a Hisense 58 centimeter, uh, 58 inch that I was looking at. So I went into... Uh, Good guys. They said, no, that's superseded, but we got one left on the shelf, on the display. Ah. I went, oh, yeah, let's see what they're going to give me a deal for this, you know, on display, being new, secondhand, you know. So I said to the guy, how much do you want for that uh, TV up there? I think he was he, on sale for, or was, was priced at 1100 And he comes back and he goes, oh, 1080 And I went, $20. <laughs> I said, is that all you're giving me? $20? Yep. It's been switched on all day, every day for, what, four, five, six months? You're going to give me $20? Yep. I said, uh-uh, see you later. I was prepared to walk. I, so um, I, I know somebody who bought a uh, Hisense washing machine and um, it broke down within a couple of weeks and neither Hisense nor the um, shop they bought it from would repair it or return it and swap it out for another one mm. and they just had to in the end throw it out because no one would take responsibility for it yeah, it's okay. actually the retailer's responsibility yep mm. um, no, you've got, no, got to contact them ring them up, <laughs> no, you've got to contact the retailer no, you've got to contact uh, Audi play the same game but um, only out of warning, after 12 months like the first 12 months Audi will cover it yep. and then after that you've got to contact the manufacturer which is quite common because yeah, a lot of the time they change but yeah, especially when it's new, it's the retailer's responsibility. They're the ones who have got to uh, who have got to get it organised, and they don't have a choice. They they have to do it. I, I, I had a it. GPS one time that kept on doing software reboots all the time. And I take it back to the retailer. No, 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 we can't take it. You have to send it to Sydney, and I'm like, no, you have to swap it for me. No, no, no. And I just stayed there for an hour arguing with them. Eventually, they rang the area manager. I think he must have said, "Look, just give him a 
one choice to get him out of the damn store because other customers can hear you arguing. Yeah, well, okay. Hi, sir. Which one would you like to replace? Yeah, sometimes, mm. look, they're going to do it anyway, so they might as well do it straight away. I did the same thing at Super Shape. They had a head deck uh, put in the car, and every time I plugged the power leads up, the head deck just shut down. Yeah. Sent it back to JVC, by the way. Never buy a JVC head deck because they're after sales as useless. Yeah. Um, Sent it back to JVC and they said, oh, we can't find anything wrong with it. <laughs> I said, all right, well, here, send it back. So I sent it, they sent it back. I put it into the car, took a video of the installation and took a video the second I turned the key on, the head deck shut down. Yep. Took it back to Super Cheap and said, I'm just going to grab another one off your wall over there and uh, let you guys worry about this. Yeah, fair enough. Like, well, you know, <laughs> I said, I've been dicked around for two weeks to have nothing improved. So I'm just going to go and grab that Pioneer that's over there. It's the same price. And uh, <laughs> you guys can sort this out. So I walked over to the wall, reefed out the Pioneer and walked out with it. Fair yeah. enough. Good stuff. Now, um, talking about Foxtel, if you've had a subscription uh, and you were pay- a Foxtel subscription through a guy called Haydar Majid Salam at Baghdadi, well, that's kind of your own problem at that point. <laughs> you've done your money because <laughs> his Foxtel streaming service has been shut down. Uh, he's oh, uh, he's been sad. hey, that's sad. I know, I know. So uh, he's been shut down. A 33-year-old Sydney resident he was. He's got an 18-month suspended jail term for providing access to Foxtel for 8,000 people across the country. So <laughs> I don't know how he's doing that. What, is he streaming it on YouTube or something? I don't know. They wouldn't. The, the story didn't say. It said that there was no, uh, no details about how he was doing it. But he, was, he reportedly ran the operation from his home in Sydney Southwest. And uh, yeah, now suspended jail sentence, eighteen months. So there you go. I don't know why everyone was paying to watch it. Yeah, yeah. but they just weren't paying the right people. <laughs> they're paying to watch it. That's that's all they ask for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you got to pay the you got to pay the right uh, person. They're just getting picky now, aren't they? Yeah, Will? Don't, don't, don't about details. Details are irrelevant. That's right. Because I know you guys had a little stab at the the pirating thing last week as well. Uh, but there was another story. Where was it about the pirating? And it was about Foxtel. Oh, the Game of Thrones? No, that was about... Did I have another Foxtel? HBO. Australia's number one pirated show, yeah. Did we, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about Game of Thrones, seeing that we're on that sort of thing. But uh, Does anybody watch it? I don't. Will, do you watch it? I am guilty of never seeing an episode. I I saw two seasons and then gouged my eyes out and never watched it again. <laughs> I watched about 10 minutes and then my wife said, ah, it's too gory, 10 and a half. So yeah. never, never went any further, Actually, but I will want know, to. I do want to. I have probably seen about 20 minutes of it and they were all outtakes. <laughs> I right. only watched the gag because it's the only part I've watched. <laughs> and, and the uh, real lip reading YouTube. Oh, the real, yeah, the real lip reading. That's hilarious. That's good. <laughs> well, this is something that you'll uh, be quite accustomed to, Will. In a new dump, they also published a script for the as the yet unbroadcast fifth episode of the current series. Mm. So the hackers <laughs> have jumped in. They've hacked the, the HBO. They've got an episode or whatever they reckon. 1.5 terabytes of data, they reckon. They've got the hackers. Yeah, raw data, that'd be right. Yeah, uh, HBO, uh, company documents and video episodes of other HBO shows are also shared. Now, how's this? This statement here made me laugh. It says, the hackers claim they have 1.5 terabyte of data in total, but HBO said it does not believe its email system has been compromised. Hmm. Mm. So... Well, that's no wonder they yes, got that's hacked. that's right. <laughs> that's right. No, we're good over here. <laughs> as, long as, as long as emails are flowing, it doesn't matter, does it? That's right. <laughs> uh, emails are still working. 
Yeah, we were right. No worries. <laughs> now, the ransom note featured in a video containing scrolling text addressed to HBO Chief Executive Richard Plepper. Plepler. Something like that. However, the hackers have not made public how much they want. Our demand is clear and non-negotiable. We want XXX dollars to stop leaking your data. So that X four X. How much is the four X? It's one hundred and fifty million. Is that what it is? Report I read. Yeah, that's expensive beer. That was it. Was one hundred and fifty million on the very first reports released, and everything after that had no value. Uh. (laughs) Ah. So they went, oh, we don't know how much it's going to cost us. <laughs> so HBO spends 12, this is uh, in the ransom note, HBO spends $12 million for market research and $5 million for Game of Thrones Series 7 advertisements. So consider us another budget for your advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> and it was signed, Mr. Smith. Although the uh, note is not dated, it gave HBO a deadline of three days. So we'll see where that's going to go. Probably nowhere. Mm. How, I was yeah, looking up um, that Foxtel guy bought a uh, decoder and smart cards and he was cloning his Foxtel smart card so he could put it in other cable devices and uh, satellite devices and get free Foxtel. I oh. thought they stopped that back, back in the day when they switched to the digital signal because it's supposed to automate. Oh, that's right. If you don't, As long as you don't plug your... Okay, that's right. I remember now. As long as you don't plug your box in and you only got one-way satellite, not two-way satellite, if you've only got one way satellite and you don't plug your box into the internet, it doesn't know that it's a false it's card receiving. because it's receiving, it's still changing the data, but it's receiving it. Yeah. If somebody then plug, that's probably how we got caught. Somebody probably plugged their box in and ordered a movie or something. Yeah. Um, and they would have known. That's, that's probably, yeah. Didn't they read the fine print in the How to Steal Cable document that he know, right? presented them with when they paid him for it? Well, remember back in the day of Ozstar and all that, you used to have the gold cards? Yeah. That's what it was, but that was when it was analog and it had no way of returning the acknowledgement that it was copied. Makes me think I'm... of The Simpsons when Homer's got that that manual. So you've decided to steal cable. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's what's going on. Um, all right, Jace, what have you taken an interest in well, this week? <laughs> researchers in the United States have unveiled a prototype of a battery-free mobile. Uh, using technology they hope will eventually come to be integrated in mass market products. The phone is the work of a group of researchers at the University of Washington in Seattle and works by harvesting tiny amounts of power from radio signals known as radio frequency or RF waves. Ambient RF waves are all around us. So as an example, your FM station broadcasts radio waves. Your AM stations do that, TV, cell phone, etc. And they are transmitting RF waves. The phone is a first prototype and its operation is basic. At first glance, it looks a little more than a circuit board with a few parts attached and the caller must wear headphones and press a button to switch between talking and listening. Mm, right. Yeah, and basically, I mean... Yeah, well... You used to be able to do those little crystal radios yeah. you get from Dick Smith and you could make a battery-free radio and tune into stations around. That's what I was going to say. It's, it basically works exactly the same as a, um, as a crystal set. Um, rest- Slight differences. Receiving, um, receiving information uses very little uh, transmitting, though, because they have to encode it. That's right. The transmission of anything, whether it's a radio, whether it's a UHF, like a, a two-way, whether it's um, a mobile phone, anything that transmits uses a lot of power. So that's where the tricky parts come in. Um, from what I understand, it receives. I mean, you see, if I go back to that picture, you can see the aerial is quite large on it. Like the aerial is the whole top of that phone. 
yeah. which makes it harvest RF frequencies really well. The problem is it doesn't have a very strong transmitter section built in. So you'd have to be, at the moment at least, you have to basically be sitting right underneath the tower to actually make a call. Um, but I can see that, that maybe with the, with the addition of a couple of capacitors or something like that to... Um, to hold a bit more energy in the device, yeah, I can see that. They being... also plan a version that uses a tiny solar cell for power. Well, yeah, the same as the calculator. I mean, yeah. imagine that, just leave the thing basically face down and you have a phone for emergency with a prepaid SIM in it, chuck it on your dashboard or whatever, just leave it sitting there. And then, you know, in two years' time when you need to use it, it's good to go, you know. <laughs> That's all right. Sounds good. Yeah. It's a case. I don't think it'll be a mainstream Although, I don't know. I mean, I guess well, they say uh, in the future, every smartphone will come with a battery free mode where you can at least make a voice call when your battery's dead, so like emergency or something. Mm, that's what I was about to say. But yeah, it would literally, just, well, I don't know though, it would have to have a physical keypad because there would not be enough power in the phone unless it was just a one button dial to an emergency service or something. I yep. bought a, a, re, a charger that's solar for my phone. Never used yeah. it, but yeah. they're out there. I bought it from Audi. Yeah. <laughs> some of them, some of them work really well, and some of them don't. Um, the the larger they are, the better they're going to work because the solar panels will actually do something. On a lot of the little small ones, cigarette size ones, you see they they don't work. They do and, and half of the ones I've actually pulled apart, the solar panels aren't even connected. Oh, I won't bother opening that one then. I'll keep that <laughs> in the box. <laughs> Oh, well, it'll be in the box that long. The batteries will be dead and it'll never work again anyway. Now, how good are these Google Homes? Are they any good? Don't know. I don't have any any <laughs> need for yelling at another device. I mean, I've got my Galaxy S8. If I want to ask it something, I'm not going to pay three or $400 to have a box sit there and say, yo, what's the temperature today? I can't be bothered typing it in or looking at the widget on my screen that's already there. I mean, I want to know what happens. I've currently got two... Android sitting beside two Samsung sitting beside me. I've got a tablet sitting over there. I've got another tablet sitting over behind me. So what Cortana happens when, on your PC? <laughs> what happens when I say "Okay, Google" and fourteen phones decide to listen? <laughs> like, what's going to happen? Like, how, how does it know that I'm talking to it as opposed to talking to my phone? Well, I did an experiment today, Glenn. I said, "Okay, Google, why should I buy a Google Home?" And it did a search for an article, and I could click on that and read it, I guess, but it didn't answer me. Did you uh, do that on your Android? Yeah. Because I did that last the other night on my iPhone. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I forget did what... Did say anything for you? <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't nothing exciting. Oh, hang on, I'll ask her again. Screw you, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't nothing exciting. Um, hang on. I'll try it. Hey, Siri, can, should I buy a Google Home? That'll confuse her. Yeah, I think I... <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll try but again. I, I mean, she, she's I different. would like to be in a position where it would work. Hey, um, should I buy a Google Home? I'd like to have a smart home, per se, where everything I'm can sure be... I'm sure, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Siri's working wonders as usual. Yeah. That's, that's Siri's standard answer to everything, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think um, <laughs> Justin posted up on our Facebook page. He must have, looks like he's bought a Google Home and he's uh, he listens to the show through it. How good's that? So, so it uh, works yep. well for him. That's good. Good on you, Justin. Um, okay. What about uh, Will? What stories piqued your what interest? What about me? What are you trying to? In, what, are, what are you trying to say? I'm what saying it's your turn. It? It's your turn. Oh. I'm saying. <laughs> um, we all 
hate Woolies. We all go there and shop, but we still hate them. Um, <laughs> but it was funny. They had it was just it's just recently come out that they had. Um, if you shop there during March, you might want to check your statements if you paid on card. They had a processing error. However, that happens, given that everything's like you know manual. I don't know, but mm. it charged your cards twice. One, one when you actually bought it, and then I think the second time was at the end of month. Um, nice. So it could have been as late as the end of the month. Apparently, Basically, they, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, it affected both online and physical transactions. Well, that's the thing I don't understand. The online ones, I can understand a database re-rolling that, you know, and, and reprocessing that. I kind of understand that, although they're not supposed to be storing card data, so I'm not sure on that one. Um, yeah. And same with manual transactions, they're not supposed to be storing card data either. And not only that, the cards are manually swiped or touched um, to the pad. So I don't really know unless uh, everything was entered as a manual transaction, which once again means I had to have the card data on hand. Very um, good, very true, Will. Very true. So I'm not quite sure. They, they don't say where it happened. i kind of a little bit sceptical that it happened at Woolies End just because of those reasons where they, they're not storing. Like they've got an SSL store. Once you pay by... and. Once you pay by PayPal or credit card, it, it that's it. It doesn't care about the data as long as you've paid for it. Well, they're blaming um, Cuscal. Yeah, I was going to say, I it would have to be the bank. Um, and I think Cuscal is... Right, I'll be back in a minute, guys. Yeah, I think Cuscal is the uh, the portal. So, um, okay. yeah, if you're looking for... Uh, please visit here. So it must be the portal where all the payments go through. But, yeah, so I like... Uh, look, one of the... Uh, the statements that Woolies come out with today, and I'm like, you got to love these statements, don't you? Like, it goes, um, Did you feed, see the fake Woolies support account on Facebook? I've heard of it, that's been around for a while, yeah, hasn't somebody it? Somebody set it up and they, they were posting about this, and they're like, dude, I don't know what you're worried about. We'll give you a refund in six to eight weeks, just shut up. <laughs> what, yeah, this kind of thing happens. Maybe you should have bought something better than uh, thing, or they're just. Telling everyone to shut up and stop complaining and Woolies eventually banned them, but a lot of people thought it was a real Woolworths support account. How can Woolies ban them? Well, they complained. From, from there, because it's a Woolies page, so you can ban people from posting on your oh, own. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but look, as I was going to say, you, like, you love these comments or the, you know, the... the the touching bits of uh, concern that Woolies has delivered. And it's the same with everyone. I think it must be in the manuals that uh, all these corporations get. We are working closely with Cuscal and can confirm any payment errors will be corrected as soon as possible. I'd just like to know how close are they working yeah. with them? The like, problem is people got charged twice and if you bought $200 worth of groceries and then you got charged another 200 and you can't afford to pay rent, or you can't afford your school fees, or you can't afford to buy food for next week, or yeah, that's it's a big impact on a lot of people. Yeah, because I'm due to do another phone call to Telstra tomorrow. I think I might have to do it. About two months ago, uh, they owed me a hundred dollar credit, which never has happened on, never found its way to the bill yet. And so I rang yep. them last month, and they go, "Nah, don't worry, it'll come. Probably take three months." I'm going serious, like three months. Like, I've had credits before quicker than that. But anyway, that's what happens. Yeah, I'm waiting for one from Medicare. They said um, six to eight weeks. Right. Yeah. But Medicare is probably a little bit different. 
Like because it, what it's just like a, a there was a rebate, but the the person who was getting the rebate through the medical place put in like twenty dollars instead of eighty dollars. So oh, okay. I have to wait. They mm. said no, I'll have to do a manual resubmission and then post it to them because what's internet? And then they have to receive it, and somebody has to open up the letter and then read it and then type it into a computer. Oh, geez, that's that's uh, that's a long process, isn't it? Anything to do with the government is a long yeah. process. And I'll tell you what, they don't happened. like giving back money for some reason. These governments, no. But I'll tell you another. This is you'll. This is I'd like to hear your opinion on this too. Talking of governments, the AEC is building an app for enrolment and polling info. So there's going to be two mobile applications, one for the public use and one for the election staff, the election workforce, to provide better yeah. access to its services and information. Now, the public app will allow citizens to check their enrolment status and details of federal, state or local electoral divisions and use GPS to identify the closest polling station and wait time. So first point, and determine wait time. So that means someone has to be, what, standing in the polling booth, counting times so yeah that's a waste of money what what do you want yeah. wait time unless it's like blown out of control you know like can't someone just look and go yeah it's out the door don't bother um yeah but you know yeah <laughs> uh, it will also hook into the aec's tally room api to provide access in result to results in real time and offer voters voice functionality to help people with communication difficulties participate in elections so that's all good, you know. No one, you know, that that's that's great. That's 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 good. I think that could be a big bonus for and us. Does it tell you if if your voting location has snags? It probably does. Oh well, it, it just doesn't have a... the sausages. I'll go to a different one. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, but but anyway, what is my second point? Why don't they combine it and have the the voting booth at Bunnings? Well. Snags be... are already there. You're too right, too right. Right. <laughs> but... How Aussie could that be? While but... you're there, you can pick up a few supplies. Yeah, how good How good would that be? That would be nice yeah. and easy. Now, the AEC, now you would have thought that doesn't sound too hard, does it? You'd be able to make no. an app like that, I, I guess, Jase. Yeah, given, what, uh, six months? Not even. You'd, you'd crumble yeah. something together. But anyway, they because well, we already got GPS, right? They're in the phone. That's already in the phone. We've got details of closest polling station. That's not hard to do, you know, blah, blah. Um, nothing really hard there going on. But anyway, the AEC has already drafted an API and conceptual user interface design specification over the last two years. It's taken yeah. them two years yep. and the thing's not built and it just says now it wants help building the app. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Typical, right? That's what's crazy, isn't it? Crazy, you sit around in a room for two years, and think, yeah. and oh yeah, we wanted to have a button, three buttons, and some. You work text. for the government. You don't want to go fast. You get paid by the hour, man. But anyway, that that was my point number two out of that story. I just thought of amusing. Uh, <laughs> no mention of the use of the app for electronic voting, and it remains unlikely this will change. No, so there you go. Uh, yeah, what else have you got, Jace? Well, speaking of GPS. The risk of cyber attacks targeting ship satellite navigation is pushing nations to delve back through history and develop backup systems with roots in the World War II radio technology. Ships use GPS, Global Positioning System, and other similar devices that rely on sending and receiving satellite signals, which many experts say are vulnerable to jamming by hackers. 
about 90% of world trade is transported by sea and the stakes are high in increasing crowded, increasingly crowded shipping lanes. Unlike aircraft, ships lack a backup navigation system and if their GPS ceases to function, they risk running aground or colliding with other vessels. South Korea is developing an alternate system using Earth-based navigation technology known as eLoran, while the United States is planning to follow suit. Britain and Russia have also explored adopting versions of this technology which works on radio signals. Oh, there you go. Look, I think uh, that's probably not a bad idea, is it? Like if, you know, they're worried about getting yeah. hacked and, and things going down. Is Even it... if you weren't, what's wrong with having a backup just in case yeah, there's exactly. a something with one system, you've got another one? Mm-hmm. When are they going to introduce Morse code back again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not that's not a bad idea. But it's funny how like, everything of yesteryear is just, just unhackable. <laughs> yeah, and it's unhackable, yeah. you know, like <laughs> the book. You can't hack a book, you know, that's you, right. and all these things. Um you don't have to worry about digital copy protection on your book. Uh, that's right. That's right. But Patch Tuesday has arrived. When Patch Wednesday or Patch Thursday, whatever the hell it is. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it's Patch Tuesday. We get it Wednesday. Is that yep. how it works? So Microsoft's monthly Patch Wednesday for us has seen a few bundle, bundle of fixes. So there's a total of 25 critical vulnerabilities in several products uh, all taken care of, including the first fix for a security flaw in the Windows subsystem for Linux. So yeah. yeah, the Windows subsystem for Linux appeared last year. It is the result of a collaboration between Microsoft and Canon, Canonic, Canonical, Canonical which develops yep. Ubuntu and allows users to run Linux binary execu- executables on Windows 10. Now, patches are also available for Microsoft Remote Desktop Protocol, blah, blah, blah. And then it keeps going on, which I find this is another another strange one in the story. There's a, uh, also a patch, including uh, server database and other software, including the built-in, built-in Adobe Flash Player in Edge yeah. and Internet Explorer. How's that? So get Adobe out of there. I know, like no one. Flash is dead. Even Adobe said Flash is dead. I know. No deal. Everyone's running for the hills, running for the big flash, flash pan in the sky, and and Microsoft's still mucking around with it, with Adobe Flash and in the edge as well. It's in there. At least they got rid of Silverlight, right? Or have they? Bits of it still hang on, but it's officially dead. I think. uh, I think my Foxtel Go uses Silverlight. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I think I've got to download. uh, That's probably why it's so unstable. But there's so many technologies and stuff around, isn't there? Like, just so much, just so much around. You can probably can't keep up. Uh, Yeah. So, what do you want? Do you know much about what this Linux thing is, or just leave it as the Windows subsystem? Oh, they they have um, a Bash shell system on Windows now, so that you can use a lot of commands that you could use in Linux on the Windows computer and have uh, small embedded Linux um, distributions running on Windows. Quite nice. A lot of uh, okay. you know, super geeky Linux people are very excited about it. You can access Windows using um, Linux commands. Right, right. Now, I've got a question for you, uh, just going off topic, whether or not you know. Is um you know yet the uh, computers these days coming out with the these new, the latest UEFI BIOSes or the EFI BIOSes or well, not yeah. even that they're just called EFI aren't they they're not BIOSes they're EFI. Yeah. Um, can you run a Windows Seven just off a straight UEFI machine? Because I try, yeah. I, I don't think like I don't think you can do it. 
Oh, not install it. Should it should be able to because I think it can emulate an old BIOS if it if there's an old operating system running on there. Yeah, I, I know in some of the uh, BIOSes you can go back to like a legacy mode, but this particular yep. one that this person asked me to do, it didn't have a legacy mode, and and yeah, I don't think I don't know. I didn't think it. I don't. My from what I looked at, I looked up some articles on TechNet and everything. They said no, there's no support for UEFI. But then I know I saw other people that they, they were running it from a USB, but they weren't actually yep. installed on the computer. So that was one of those oh, okay. ah, it's just all too hard. <laughs> Stick with Windows so a, 10. Um, What's up with that? There's a TechNet, TechNet installing Windows 7 on UEFI-based computer. Um, most UEFI-based computers will also support legacy BIOS boot is configured in the BIOS. Yeah, so this one didn't have a as legacy. As long as you got one of the latest BIOS, if you got an old one that just mm. that didn't do the emulation, you wouldn't, but should be able to. Mm. Anyway, I, I just told this guy to suck Windows 10 up. <laughs> Get over yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you might as well. I mean, well, why not? It's so old, it's isn't there. it? It's so old. Yeah. Um, all right. What else have you got over there, Jason? In Android 7.0, Google introduced a new feature called Seamless Updates. This setup introduced a dual petition scheme, a System A and System B petition. The idea is that when it comes time to install an update, you can normally use your phone on the online System A petition while an update is being applied to the offline System B petition in the background. Rather than the many minutes of downtime that would normally occur for an update, all that's needed to apply the update is a quick reboot. At that point, the device would just switch from petition A to the newly updated petition B. When you get that out of space error message during an update, you're only out of space on the user storage petition, which is just being used as a temporary download spot before the update is applied to the system petition. Starting with Android 8.0, the AB system petition is set up as being upgraded with the streaming updates feature. Update data will arrive from the internet directly into the offline petition system, written block by block in a boot, ready-to-boot state. Instead of needing one gig of free space, Google will be bypassing user storage almost entirely, needing only about 100K worth of free space for some metadata. Yes, well, the uh, Android phones, I don't pretend to understand those things. But uh, <laughs> is it good? I believe you. I believe it you. will be, yeah, because, you know, when you get an update for your yeah. iPhone, it says, please wait, click here, okay, downloading update, you wait yep. five minutes, then it reboots and it applies the update and it's drawing a thing along. This one will do it while you're still using the phone, it'll update the phone. So you'll have basically like two, you'll have like Windows 7 and Windows 8 on the same computer in different petitions. So you've got Windows 7 and mm. Windows 8 comes out, yeah, cool. so it installs Windows 8 into this other petition but you're still using Windows 7, and then when you reboot, it just says use that one over there. It's got Windows 8, suddenly you've got a new computer system. Yeah. Then Windows, Windows 10 comes out, it installs on the first petition overriding Windows 7. You reboot, and now you've got Windows 10 there, but Windows 8 is still around. That's so good. you have like two operating systems in dual boot mode on your Android, so you're going between 7 and 8 that way and just streamline download any updates onto the petition you're not using so the next time you reboot your phone for whatever reason it'll automatically come up with a new updated system yeah it's a lot better than uh the windows 10 rollback <laughs> yeah <laughs> rollback how's your... eric going with his windows 10 update i'm Still not sure happen? i'm not sure after after asking him i forgot all about those uh will's back hi will thanks for coming back <laughs> had, a, had an emergency. No worries. Do you want to kick off with the story? Um, stop me if we've done this because I don't know what happened when I was away. But Virgin Australia announces 
in-flight Wi-Fi rollout for Australian fleet. Um, so Virgin Australia has expanded its Wi-Fi connectivity throughout their fleet with plans to have it in place across their entire fleet by mid-2019. They said they'll equip most of their 737s and 777s with um, by the end of the next year, while the remaining aircraft consisting of an Airbus will be fitted out by the second half of 2019. Right. I would have thought the Airbus would have been equipped for that, given that it's a brand-new plane, but anyway. Um, internet access on board the aircraft will be powered by Optus Satellite Internet, which the in-flight connectivity will be handled by GoGo. Wi-Fi connections were first trialled uh, over a three-month period starting in April. The trial event evidently quite successful. With guests reporting high level of satisfaction, Virgin said the checking emails, 50%, social media is 45% were the top two uses, with Netflix in the top five as well. Nice. Um, according to Virgin Australia, passengers travelling domestic will enjoy a basic level of free Wi-Fi with two-tiered pricing system being put in place, with speed being the main deciding factor. Uh, Virgin will also be the first Australian airline to offer internet access on international flights, though there will apparently not be f- a free tier on these flights. Though Virgin hasn't advised what speeds will be offered. Optus Satellite uh, is Australia's largest satellite provider for domestic and New Zealand services, with the service delivered through 2KU dual antenna technology. Um, Virgin is not the only airline working on delivering in-flight internet. Qantas also commencing trials back in April with and Tiger Air Australia, however, told Asteroid they have no plans for in-flight Wi-Fi, <laughs> of course. No, well, you know, you've watched them land on the down the tarmac at Sydney Airport, and you, yeah, thank goodness you don't you follow might... them. Yeah, <laughs> yes, watch them. Uh, yeah, so Wi-Fi, I don't know, if everyone on the plane is going to be doing Netflix, it's not going to really work, I wouldn't imagine. Well, it's... theoretically, if they're using the Optus, it's theoretically gigabit speed. Um, it's going to come down to what the actual congestion internally on the plane is going to be. But having said that, I mean, the plane uses a lot of data too now. Like in the old days, all the um, infotainment was all pre-recorded and mm. stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it now is all streamed as well. So there's there's a lot of data being smashed around there. I don't know. Do you really have to stream Netflix? Like can't, if you wanted to take a, watch a movie... Wouldn't you just load your iPad up or something? Like, do you really need to have unlimited I choice I mean, while you're on a flight? I don't, well, as I said, like, email's 50%, effectively. Um, what email do I get? Email's 50% and f- Facebook's 45%. So there's only 5%, Facebook. like, a 49%, 43%. So there's 8%, there's 8% um, in there, which is going to be, well, I don't know. If they've already got email at 49% and social media at 43%, and they're saying Netflix is somewhere in the top five. Well, it's only one of the bottom three, and there's only 5% between those three. So you, there's not a lot of other things happening. I don't think people really, especially if you're flying like from Brisbane to Melbourne or something, it's only a, what, 45-minute flight or whatever it is. Brisbane um, to Melbourne? Or well, an hour 45. Yeah, something like that. It's an hour to Sydney. Yeah. yeah. So by, by the time you get on the plane, get settled, do what you need to do, get, you know, check your Facebook... Decided to watch something. You're only at most. You're only going to watch a half an hour, half hour episode or something anyway. Yeah, I can see. Um, yeah, th- as you go on over to Perth, I guess it's you know going to be all right. But but if you're just going to be checking Facebook, like geez, and you got to think half the, half the flights are red eye flights anyway. So half the time people are going to jump on the plane asleep. Mm. Um, a lot of the people are coming from an international flight somewhere, so they're half asleep anyway. So they're going to go to sleep. So I don't think the numbers actually are going to be as great as as sort of what we think they are if, if you work it out like um a lot of the people who are on 
dead business deadlines and stuff who are on flights anyway are already working on whatever they need to work on. I mean, they might connect to download some documents or something, but I don't think that data usage is going to be as great as it's not like everybody's going to get on there and watch Netflix in one go, you know. Did you see the uh, video I posted onto the Aussie Techheads Facebook page about the the pilot air dropping the a picture of the other plane to the other plane? No, I started reading. I didn't actually get a chance to watch it. Yeah, there's a, a interesting. He must have been on his phone, and he's there, and he he's on his phone going, "Oh yeah, um, Tanga Victor Foxtrot, you know, you're a thousand thousand foot away from me or something." There's this other plane flying. You can see it. He's probably relatively close, and uh, so he goes, "I'll take a picture of you." So he takes a picture and 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 uh, sends it to him. Sends it to the other plane. It's quite good. It's, <laughs> it's a little uh, YouTube video. It's on the Facebook page somewhere. Go and have a look. Uh, any more, Jace? Oh, sorry, Will, <coughs> you finish it off there? Well, I was going to say, speaking of satellite, um, NBN Co. is going to start their satellite multicast trials. Um, so NBN will soon begin a six-month trial of multicast services on their SkyMaster satellite, which is a massive big satellite we paid a heap of money to put up there. Um, the technical trials are set to begin in August 21st and conclude around the end of the year. The network builder said the test agreements published, um, those selected to test satellite service have been aligned with State or Territory Education Department participating in the government's distant education and broadband working group. They must also have in place the existing monocast application delivering lessons to students over satellite. Monocasting allows a service provider to inject data or consent or content once the network to network interface, where it is then replaced this is really badly written, where it is then replicated to any number of premises. Um, it's been available on the company's FTP network since 2012 and was introduced for use by internet TV providers. So it's, I guess it goes back to what the, um, the, the TV stations do. They release one broadcast of it and it just mm. goes to wherever it's, you know, wherever it's got to go to. Yeah. But, um, but speaking of that, like, I've got a question for this week. <laughs> Question from Glenn is, and if anyone knows the answer, if I don't get it out of these two, these two, put it on a postcode and email it to. <laughs> what's right. the answer, Glenn? At Aussie Tech Airs. What's the answer to this? Now, I want to know because one of my customers has got a shop and he wants to be able to offer free Wi-Fi, but he wants to be able to only offer it to people who log in or like his Facebook page. Uh, what is there a reasonable way yeah. of doing this uh, i know facebook has got their facebook wi-fi but say without buying another facebook wi-fi compatible router um how, how would you achieve this does anyone know there must be some scripts you could run on a, there'd be a couple of ways one one would be to um have the page have a part of the page set to private so only people who are like the page can actually see that and have the login details on there well that's kind of brave um, the other option would be to have it so that when they come in, they just show the person at the counter that they've liked you on Facebook and then they give you a, a one-use barcode or something like that. Mm, yes. But I think like he wanted to try and automate it. I think at the moment, I think he's just given out the password. Uh, I mean, yeah, unless you've got a 1,000 customers a day, you know, it's not that hard to do a manual. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. A, a one-time one barcode. He might have. He's a coffee shop. He might have a few customers. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the other option to do it is to just have it. You you could have it set up. I guess. Yeah, it's pretty hard without spending money on on. There is. I mean, I know for a fact that there's back end hardware there because one of my customers actually uses it. 
Um, I guess at the end of I the day, I don't specifically think it's Facebook either. I think there are scripts you can do, as Warlock said, because he does it. If you like him on Facebook, if you like on their Twitter, uh, if you do a, leave a Google comment, any of these things will get you free access to their Wi-Fi. So there's obviously ways of doing it, but mm. whether or not they cost a lot of money, I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't think he wants to. Well, obviously, do it for free if you could. But yeah, if he has to buy something, he's just he's prepared to buy. It's just uh, yeah. At this stage, I thought, oh yeah, I'll Google it for you. <laughs> That's where I'm up to. I'm Googling it yeah, for him. Yeah. media.com has got using the Facebook Wi-Fi. You need the router that supports it, like a Netgear R6300 mm. Wi-Fi router. Yeah, I saw those routers. Um, yeah, there's about half a dozen of them. I think they've got this yeah. Facebook Wi-Fi. But, yeah, because that's where it's all about, you know, like this uh, advertising your business on social media. Like, he says he gets people coming in because on Instagram, they said your muffins look good. So, <laughs> so You must have pretty crappy plans, though. Are they students a lot or something? Because data is not that expensive anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm mm. 20 gigs a month. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't think my phone. I'm not going to connect to uh, free Wi-Fi anywhere for security reasons, regardless of if it's Joe's Muffin Shop and he's a really nice bloke. That's right. Yeah, I would. Well, that that was kind of what I was thinking would be a better option to actually give people a one-use token, and that way, it's a secure connection. It's not an open Wi-Fi. Open Wi-Fi is asking for trouble, even if it is only restricted. Hmm. And the other thing you can do too is you can have it set up. If you do it that way, it's much easier to manage bandwidth consumption and stuff like that because you can restrict people's bandwidth and stuff from streaming and like Maccas do. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, like he, um, but you know, the average Joe, they're not, they don't care about security. If they get free Wi-Fi, you beauty, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that, <laughs> I yeah. guess on your, on your, on your phone, I guess it's not really an issue, is it? Oh, it depends. Not, not really. Well, not really. Not compared if it was a laptop or something like that, but. Yeah, yeah. but you're talking to, you know, when I do these security podcasts with Roger, the, the Aussie Tech Security, like you know, I'll ask him about free Wi-Fi just in the other episode, like not too long ago. But people, if they can get in, sniff out your phone or whatever, then you've got passwords in there for your emails and whatever else you got going, and yeah, they can still grab your your names and personal details and go and, and oh, yeah, yeah. spoof you somewhere else and whatever. Um, oh, you don't yeah, but at the, at the end of the day, they're going to do that regardless of whether you, you know. It's the sort of industry that's just going to happen like that. Mm. You know, Most people want are not that interesting it. for people to want to hack anyway. I mean, it's not like you're taking your entire MacBook to Starbucks. You know, Mac, um, Mac to Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks <laughs> or anything like that. Do it again, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to Starbucks. On. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Um, I'm sick. Leave me alone. <laughs> now, where are we up to? Who wants We've to... We've that for you as well. <laughs> um, what about... I don't even know. Jace, have a, you got any more? Uh, a couple, yeah. A team of eight researchers discovered that by altering street signs, an adversary could confuse self-driving cars oh. and cause their machine learning systems to misclassify signs and take wrong decisions, potentially putting the lives of passengers in danger. No. The idea behind this research is that an attacker could print an entirely new poster and overlay it over an existing sign or attach smaller stickers on a legitimate sign in order to fool the self-driving car and think it's looking at another type of street sign. While the first scenario will trick even human observers and there's little chance of stopping it, the second one looks like an ordinary street defacement will likely affect only self-driving vehicles. Experiments showed simple stickers posted on top of a stop sign filled the self-driving cars 
machine learning system in a misclassifying it as a speed limit 45 sign from 67 to 100% of all cases. Similarly, a grey graffiti stickers at a right turn to trick the self-driving car into thinking it was looking at a stop sign. Researchers say that authorities can fight such potential threats to self-driving passengers by using an anti-stick material for street signs. In addition, car vendors should also take into account contextual information for their machine learning systems. For example, there's no reason to have certain signs on certain roads, such as a stop sign in the middle of an interstate highway. Mm. I guess, um, like, do you think it'll get to the mm. stage where, I don't know, with the, when the self-driving cars become more prevalent, whatever, that... You know, like with the GPSs, like someone at the council or someone's gone out, mapped everything, done everything, put it, you know, roundabouts here, roundabouts there. They're just going to have to put, well, there's a stop sign there and whatever, and the cars. I think will... you just put uh, electronic transmitters well, on the yeah, side of the road, send a signal to the car to say, in five, yeah. you know, in twenty meters, there's a stop or give way or right mm. only or change your speed down to eighty. You don't need to have it take a photo of the sign and then do OCR and go, yeah, that's an 8 and a 0, so now I need to go 80. You just transmit it to the car to say this is now 80 zone, the car slow down. Yeah. You... My question is why are they happy with a 63% success rate on being fooled by a 40% sign that isn't altered? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I would be more concerned about that than the fact that there's only, if that's say 50 percent, there's a fifty percent chance it'll get it wrong if it has been altered. Why were you doing one hundred about... ten? Well, the, the car just drives itself, officer. So yeah, don't... I'm more concerned about the fifty percent going to get that's, wrong. That's a Suzuki Swift. They don't but, have auto driving technology in there. I like the way I like the way that Tesla handles it. I mean, it uses like five different methods of doing the same thing. It uses like effectively Google Maps, which and Waze, which, as we know, has real time updating has all the stop signs all it has all that sort of stuff in place anyway it uses existing known satellite data it uses ocr recognition it uses traffic pattern recognition um so it knows that if it's driving down a street and it's a t intersection it knows there's a stop sign because every car in front of it has stopped so it, it's got five or six different methods of knowing plus radar and lidar it uses as well so it's got all these different methods of knowing what's going on around it and one you know, one or two street signs that either are missing or misrepresented isn't going to affect it. It doesn't care. It knows yeah. by all these other methods. And this is short, as, as you said, putting transponders in, which a lot of lights in the States already have. They actually have transponders already in them um, in certain places due to emergency vehicles. As an emergency vehicle approaches, even when they're quiet without the lights and sirens on, they it will automatically the change the lights to be in their favour. Mm. Um so a lot of that technology is already implemented. All they need to do is is expand on that. But I, I'm a little bit suspicious that this article's written by somebody who understands this technology properly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, just once you're familiar with, I mean, okay, there's self-driving cars and there's self-driving cars. There's things like the Tesla, which is 90% self-driving. It will do 90% of the things you want to do. There's things like the Google car, which actually have run for however many miles they've done with zero incidences. And then there's things like the, uh, who was it? Volvo, or, excuse me, Volvo or Mercedes or somebody has tried it and they've had like an 80% success rate. So my question is why are these car manufacturers who build cars for a living, clearly, and not computers, only having these low success rates and these computer companies who happen to build cars are having the high success rates? Um, I'll probably be looking you know, at the technology. 
behind that mm-hmm. rather than trying yeah. to solve problems that aren't really problems and aren't I mean if somebody wants to get a sticker and put over a stop sign now or put over a, a traffic intersection sign or change a sign other than the fact that every sign is a different shape the only one you really get away with um, is speed signs changing yeah. a 60 well, to an 80 or something like that Glenn- when you've got those stop signs, what happens when someone uses graffiti and put hammer time at the bottom as your car get out and start dancing? <laughs> if, you've been, if you've seen The Simpsons, you've got, what have they got? Stow up and yelled. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, uh, look, speeding One is day. also important. And uh, London has an interesting idea to curb it. And I think Jace has got some info on that. Yeah, London has an interesting idea to curb speeding. Magic! The British capital has painted optical illusions on its street as part of a pilot program to get drivers to slow down. The idea is both pretty simple and pretty clever. Use a little sleight of hand to paint the streets to look like they have speed bumps on them, but don't use finite city resources to actually build the speed bumps into the road. The 18-month pilot program was launched in September of last year, according to the BBC, and the city is still determining whether the black and white stencils are as effective as actual bumps to deter drivers from exceeding 20 miles an hour, as if the traffic in London ever goes faster than that anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, how are you speeding in London anyway? But, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. true, true. So this will, this will work the first time I drive up the street. Mm. Then when the car doesn't go bump, bump. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I go, huh, maybe there's, there's something not quite right here. Let's <laughs> put some. I tell you what, yeah, that'll fix it. That's in. <laughs> that, that's actually a. An, it was in Sweden or Germany or something. It was actually an art exhibition, um, but it was up for like a day and it caused like three hundred accidents or something. So they <laughs> took it down. Um, there's. I like the one. The uh, audible speed lines. Yeah, um, we've got them all over Australia, right? No, 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 not those ones. The, they actually paint them across the road and or on the road. And while you're driving over them, if you drive at the right speed, so whatever the speed signposted at, if you're driving at that speed, these things are placed in exactly the right position and they actually play music. Right. Um, if you drive over them too fast or too slow, they just play a horrible sound. It's, uh, it's a really interesting concept. I haven't concept. heard the music ones, but I've been over mm-hmm. audible lines around. Oh, the, the wake-up the the, wake yes. falling asleep lines. Yeah. <laughs> No, slow, slow you down when you're coming to the end of the M1 into Newcastle. Oh. They say uh, for 70 and 80 zones when you're coming out of 110 and it's got the lines across the road to slow you down, otherwise your car's falling apart. You know what they did in, they thought it'd be a good idea at, where was it, coming out of Kyogle, I can't think which town it was, but you come out of Kyogle and you go from a 100 zone to a 70 zone into a sharp left-hand corner across a railway track into a sharp right. <laughs> so they decided as you're going from the 100 to the 70, they're going to paint white lines. Yep. So, okay, that was not great to start with because every time it rained, cars would go straight ahead. So I thought, okay, we'll fix this. We'll scrub the white lines off. We'll put speed bumps down. Then we'll paint the speed bumps white. <laughs> <laughs> so now not only are you trying to break from 100 to a 70, there's no transition. It goes 170. That's right. it. There's, 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 Fair enough. And the seventy, the seventy k stop sign is about twenty meters before the right angle corner. So if you don't know the road, you come hooking up into this. Well, it's probably fifty meters. Come hooking up into this section. See the seventy k sign. Put your foot on the brakes. Get surprised by these speed bumps that weren't painted for the first six months they were there. <laughs> and then, as you're going over these speed bumps, you now have to negotiate a left hand 
90-degree corner. So you're still trying to do that and look at your speed to see if you've washed up enough speed. You're now looking at the boom gates of this tr train line to see whether or not you can cross the train line without being taken out. And just as you put your eyes back on the road, there's a 90-degree right-hand corner that you've now got to get across without Brilliant. hitting the big squig squiggly lines to say there's pedestrian crossing right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fantastic intersection. <laughs> now, got... like, how much can we do wrong in 100 metres of road? <laughs> I can only show half of that picture, Jace, just the way it's set up. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there you no. go. Now, uh, Magic roundabout at Swindon where they got five uh, roundabouts around a central roundabout. That's crazy. Crazy. That's, that leaves a four-way stop sign in a section for dead. Yeah. <laughs> now, just a couple of quickies because we're getting to the end here. Uh, I think you're out, Jace. I'll have a couple of yep. quickies. Uh, the password guru, some guru who sprouted his sprouted off about uh, passwords back in the day. Bi idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill Burr, he is, has advised to change, he, he, he had advised users to change their password every 90 days and to muddle up words by adding capital letters and numbers and symbols. But the current guidelines scrap all that. He goes, I made a mistake. <laughs> that, that was too much. People are not doing it and they're making passwords easier and easier because they've got to change them all the time. Password and one, two, three. He said, no. Current guidelines no longer suggest passwords should be frequently changed because people tend to respond by making only small alterations to their existing passwords. For example, changing monkey1 to monkey2. Now, Mr. Burr's original advice was distributed by the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology. Professor Alan Woodward from the University of Surrey said, but we've known for some time considerable, we've known for some considerable time that these guidelines actually had a rather unfortunate effect. For example, the more often you ask someone to change their password, the weaker the password they typically choose. And as we have now seen so many online accounts, the situation is compounded, so it encourages behavior such as password reuse across systems. Well, exactly. I must have, for sites I don't care about, I use the same password. I think I've only yep. got, I've got a different password for email, bank, and that's about it. Then everything else has got about the same password, I think. Uh, and, and it turns out that password, password, password is a better password than P0SSW3R hash exclamation mark. Yeah, it's recommended organisations abandon the policy of pushing their users into regular password resets and they should support the use of password managers, programs that actually store the hundreds of different logons into the, in the cloud. And that's like uh, the last pass. Google that if you haven't got one. Last Pass, that's what I use. I think most you guys use it too, I think. I know Will probably yep, does. Yep, and they've got family no, accounts now, so you can add on other people in your family to the one account, what? share passwords and things. Oh, okay. And what do you use, Will? Well, you got all in that big I brain. I use a variation on one password. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That'll probably work. So if you I have done for 20, 20 years. Yeah, okay. Good. Now... Um, and. But that's the exact reason. I, I said this five, six, seven years ago, and I got shut down. No, no, you can't use the one password. You've got to change it. Ironically, the person who told me that, who was an expert in the industry, has been hacked several dozen times in that period of time. <laughs> He's been pwned. <laughs> and I haven't. So, you know, not saying I won't, but I currently haven't, and I've had the same password for that length of time. So chances are, odds are in my favor, and that goes to show you, not that I'm anybody to anybody, you know, in terms of hacking, but people don't care. If they get a username list off something, they're going to try their best to mm. get in regardless of what they can do with it for botnets and stuff like that. 
but that statistically, you know, if you don't change your password, you're less likely to get hacked than if you do. And that's the exact reason because you'll go, oh, I don't know what my password is. I'm just going to reset that. That's and right. then three days later, when you get a password reset in your inbox, you go, oh, I must have done it because I probably forgot what it was. You're not taking any mm. these security preventions that are in place, whether it be, and I, and I hate with a passion, I hate that stupid double to authentication login. That's the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing that's handy for is a bank. Um, other than that, it, it's not worth the time or effort. Um, but the thing is, like, if, if you're changing your password every second time you log in because you can't remember what it is, then when you do get that notification saying, hey, you've tried to log in and you reset your password, you go, oh, yeah, that was probably me. You don't go, oh, I'll just click on it. Oh, it's from Bangladesh. Mm. It probably wasn't me. Well, it's the same. You know, like, it, yeah, it's the same when you get those Google emails and says, oh, a device has just logged into your uh, your Gmail and the device is located in Brisbane. And you go, well, I'm on the yeah. Gold Coast. and That must be me. It's close enough. Yeah, you that's know? right, exactly. <laughs> or, or, or a device in San Francisco is logged in. You go, uh, it must be something I'm using. So, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, well, actually, I, I was going to say, yeah. I got tripped up on that when I was using a VPN a while ago. I was doing something on one of the tablets, and I forgot I had it. None of the other phones were. This one tablet I was testing, I had it routed through the VPN. And I'm playing with something, and I'm logged in, and I've got an email saying, you logged in from oh, wherever it was, New Mexico or something. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'll just change that password. So I change the password, log back in again. You just got to, you just tried to log in from you. I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I that, know what's going on now. VPNs. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I think you can, if you're worried about it, you can, in Google somewhere, you can go through and look at all the devices that have access to your yeah. account and you can tick them off, flick them off. Or There's actually off. a limit. There's, yeah. a, there's a limit. I found it the other 15 day. 15 or 20? Is that right? <laughs> it's not that high. Yeah, it's only a dozen or a bit more. It's mm. it's actually, I, I actually found it the other day. I was really surprised. Because yeah. I see it's kind of annoying in some respects because I log on to four different computers at work. I got, and because we're on a business thing, they're all on the different IPs. And then I've got a couple of phones and a couple of tablets through work and through home that I use, plus a laptop. So... <laughs> Really, I run out of devices very, very quickly. Mm, you do, you do. Uh, look, and the last one I had this week was uh, a couple of years ago. There was some guy trying to secure the a patent called the the podcast as the the term podcast as his patent, but it's been ruled invalid by court. Now, the Electronic Frontiers Foundation or the EFF argued that Personal Audio uh, had not invented anything new. So EFF is the there's an international non-profit digital rights group based in San Francisco. So they're the good guys. Oh, yeah. you know, the good guys in this story, the EFF and the personal audio were the bad guys who wanted to try and charge everyone, I suppose, essentially end of day charge everyone if they wanted to call their thing podcast. So the uh the personal audio had tried to develop a digital audio player in the 1990s. The product never went on sale. In 2013, the founder, James Logan, said he'd spent $1.6 million on his creation. During the life of personal audio, oh, I invested $1.6 million, he said. <laughs> there you go. The, electro- the, the technology at the heart of the legal dispute allowed websites to be updated with new video and audio podcasts. Companies targeted by personal audio for using it included broadcasters CBS, NBC, Fox, and consumer electronics. And Samsung. So EFF began proceedings in 2013 and crowdfunded for costs. So EFF started proceedings says, we don't want you to, you know, uh, tie this term up. Uh, however, EFF said people had already been uploading podcasts before Personal Audio filed the patent in 2009, and that's where they come unstuck. Because they said they... <laughs> it's only about 10 years too late. 
Yeah, so they <laughs> got, yeah, because they said he uh, invented it or whatever. Uh, but the EFF found some prior art, as it were, and said, no, but no, Sonny Jim. Well, that's, that's not hard. I mean, how long? I mean, there's, yeah, there's podcasts that have been around longer than 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Because I think what iTunes, they've been, they come out. When did podcasts come out? About 2000? Well, when did the, when did the first iPod come out? Back in 90. Yeah, a long time what, ago. What, 98? Well, that must be a, that must be a misprint on the, that timeline there, surely. So, blah, 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 blah. Must be. Uh, yeah, 2000 and, uh, nine, EFF said people had already been uploading podcasts before Personal Audio filed for the patent in 2009. Well, maybe they, they filed the patent in 2009 saying they'd invented this thing earlier and they were relying on prior art. Uh, they tried to develop a digital audio player in the 1990s. Not the same thing. Yeah, but anyway, it looks like it's all well, there you go. Quashed. Adam Curry, Adam Curry and yeah. Dave Weiner are credited with an invention in 2002. That's for RSS. Uh, well, they're credited with the invention oh, of podcasting. So. Audio blogging features into it, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, well, there you go. But anyway, it's all sorted, and no one will be charged for using the term podcast. Uh, but that was like the guy who tried to make the thing with um, Ugg boots. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. But he, they lost that too, didn't they? He, they lost that yeah. to the mum and they, pops. No, they actually won it. Um, in the States, they won it because nobody ever heard the term Ugg boots. Mm. But everywhere else in the world went, um, no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, what? Well, yeah, so they were allowed to call them mugs in America, but not in Australia. Other way around. Is that what you're saying? They can, they can call them mug boots in Australia, but not in America. No, the other company. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think they went broke because they spent too much money on lawsuits. Lawsuits, that's right. <laughs> um, all right, Will, have you got any other little quick ones? The, the yeah, a couple. Of, see what happens when you, go to pot, when you go to Starbucks and you, you, know, you drink too many lattes? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's just insane. He's got like a full-on curved screen, and he's got an audio mixer what? there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, just explain this for people on the audio. There's a guy sitting in Starbucks. He's got I don't know what is it a forty-inch TV curved screen. He's got his keyboard yeah. set up. He's got a mixer set up to the left of him. He's got other little devices, phones, and whatever else. And he's and he's sucking on a coffee. Good luck to him. What's he? Isn't doing? that just ridiculous? That's like. Is that like the ultimate like goal to try and outdo Starbucks? Well, it must be. <laughs> like, how long would that take to set up? Is that is that fair income? He must be doing yeah, a, le- doing a podcast. It's legit. They call him the um, Freak. they call him the mysterious beatmaker. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently he sets up there, does his podcast. Apparently, it's it's in um, it's something of regular. Apparently, right. he sets up he sets up like one. Like twice a week, sets up first thing in the morning, podcast during the day, leaves in the night. <laughs> it'd be, it'd, it'd, it'd be like Paul Hogan, wouldn't he? Painting the Harbour Bridge, he'd, he'd set it all oh. up to his podcast, pack it all down. Oh, time for another one, set it all up. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, that wasn't what I was. I'll say quickly the uh, the thing I can never pronounce properly, the Hawaii or whatever they call it, Huawei. That uh, Hawaii, Hawaii. <laughs> The Australian launch of their new watch version 2 is going ahead. Um, they'll be selling the 4G enabled smartwatch outright and on plan. Now, this isn't like a smartwatch in the traditional sense. Um, it's an actual phone in a watch. It's a full-on smartphone mm. in a watch. 
And as you can see by the pictures there, it, it can either be a full digital look or it can actually switch and look like an actual legit watch that you would swear was just a normal mechanical watch. When's when's what's the date um, on what's the date on that story there, Will? Um if it tells you. About two days or today, actually. Because I, I saw I come across just another story today, and I wonder if it's in reaction to that. But uh, all of a sudden, the next iWatch will be able to make calls without the iPhone. Yeah, LTE. So, <laughs> I don't want LTE in a watch. I mean, they it's going to take it down to like one hour battery or something. The, the iWatches only go for like 18 hours on a good day as it is. I'm well, hoping the new Fitbit Pebble things are going to last like three to five days at least, but charging my watch a couple of times a day is a bit ridiculous or even once. Mm. Well, this one here, they reckon... Uh, LTE choose you, battery you, like crazy. Obviously, you've got to use a Bluetooth headset with it, um, obviously, or, or normal earbuds because... Well, you can use on speakerphone, but it'd be kind of... Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that's on 12 or 20 month, 12, 12 or 20 month, 12 or 24 month plan. Um, they'll set you back about $33 a month and then about $33 a month for the plan. Um, it's there's a lot of different deals, um, depending on talk and text and all that sort of stuff. Like $22 a month, oh, hang on, we'll set you back $33. Oh, okay, it'll set you $33 initial outlay, then $33 per month plus the plan. Gosh. So for example, if $33 plus the $22 plan gets you unlimited talk and text, unlimited international, and two gig of data, for example, which probably on something like two gig of data is probably sufficient. Um, but they're saying that um, they have, I'm just trying to quickly see the specs. I had it in front of me and it's, it's miraculously disappeared. But they're saying that it does actually have a decent talk time. Yeah, okay. Um, some, oh. Something like a well, something like a four hour talk time, and like a two day standby time. Yeah. Okay. So, which is pretty. That's I mean, like standby is in not using it. If you turn the screen on and stuff, it's going to be less, obviously. But a four hour talk time. I mean, a lot of phones struggle to have a four hour talk time. I'm fine. I got it. Yeah, I got to charge my phone through the day now. Like, I don't know why. Just. Uh, I mean, well, I, I don't, but. Yeah. You know, Samsung's don't have that problem. No, um, probably not. All right. Well, well that's partly to, the, partly to the fact that they're all battery. Like, I've actually got my old Note 3 just sitting here randomly. I don't know why, but <laughs> you open the back up on the back of the phone, it's pretty much all battery. Mm. Like, you know, you yeah. can understand why they have decent, decent talk times. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's uh, going to do us for this week. Otherwise, we're going to have to start paying these guys overtime. We don't want that. <laughs> or just start paying us either. I mean, Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, thanks uh, for coming in, Will and Jace. It's uh, no worries. been, oh, been e- exciting to be on the podcast again with uh, Will. Will, it's been a while since I've spoke to you. Uh, it has, it has. We've uh, got to get you on Old Fart Geeks too. Yes, let me yep. know next episode. I want to come on. I forget what we... Right. Well, I think me and Jace talked about some sort of topic. Was it? Was it we'll old? do it now then. Once we once we wrap up <laughs> on the tech heads, we'll do an iFart Geeks. How's that sound? Oh, yeah. No, Glenn, Glenn's <laughs> problem is that it takes him an hour and a half to upload this episode once he's... Oh, yes. It doesn't take us that long. It only problem. takes oh, five man. minutes for Thank us. You know. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you can get us on the Facebook.com forward slash Rossi Techheads, Twitter.com forward slash Rossi Techheads, YouTube.com forward slash Rossi Techheads. Email us, Glenn, Warlock, Will, Jason, whatever you like, at AussieTechheads.com.au. Unanswered questions. 
Yeah, unanswered questions. Um, <laughs> if you know the me, me Facebook Wi-Fi question, yeah, woo, send it over. Uh, you can hear us on the AussieTechRadio.com 24-7, back-to-back, and uh, all will be good in the world. All right, so thanks, guys. Thanks, Jace. Thanks, Will. Uh, will, and we'll... <laughs> I know it's been a while, but I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I know. Anyway, wasn't he on this show before I was? I've only been on 100 episodes. I mean, what are you <laughs> <laughs> You've been around somewhere. You've been pushed out. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, and uh, take care. Have a good week, and go the Sharks. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye bye. See you guys.